fun to watch. Honest 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. Think warm thoughts, Nationals fans. I know it's snowing here back in Washington, D.C., but back downtown, or excuse me, down south in West Palm Beach, spring training is officially underway for your Washington Nationals. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco here, soon to be joined by Amy Jennings, of course. Um, we hope you are staying safe and warm through, of course, we're, uh, the snow blizzard we are getting here back in D.C. and in the DMV area. So we appreciate you tuning in. Um, wherever you are staying warm, but you could be watching live on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Twitter, on all the Mass and Nationals accounts, or maybe after the fact you are listening to the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast. Let's bring in Amy Jennings. Amy, uh, I I don't want to be that podcast that every time they open up, they have to talk about the weather, but I do think it has snowed three straight weeks that we've done the podcast, and it's it's more meaningful today because obviously we're sitting here looking at the snow uh, and knowing that the Nationals are down in West Palm uh, playing baseball in 80-degree weather. Bobby, I think it's you. Ever since you said you <laughs> like snow, it's snowed every single week we do this podcast. Um, but it's just a sign of the times, right? Up here in the snow, but they're down there uh, starting their spring training workouts, and it's getting me excited for baseball, right? We can sit inside in the warm, talk about baseball while that snow and sleets outside. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, we're going to hear from Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez in just a little bit. They spoke to the media this morning, uh, Thursday morning, after the first workout of spring training for the Nationals, and, and Davey had to put in a jab. Uh, he said he was enjoying the 80-degree weather and the sun this morning down in West Palm and uh, hoped that we were all staying uh, warm and safe up here in the snow. Um, just a quick, uh, before we get it, we've got jam-packed episode and, and show for you guys. We're, like I said, we're going to hear from Davey. We're going to hear from Mike Rizzo, of course. Uh, the Fernando Tatis Jr. news from last night. we got to touch on that and how that affects Juan Soto's um future with the Nationals and his future contract. But just want to let you all know, you know, of course, this is not going to be a spring training that we've ever seen before, right? This is going to be a very difficult and very different spring training. Uh, I think this is the first uh, spring training that I've missed in six years. I think my first one was in 2016, and I've been every year since, uh, since this year. Uh, so we're just asking you guys to stay with us. Uh, we know it's not always going to be an easy process. We're not going to be able to bring you the direct contact and content that you wish uh, to, or you're, you're accustomed to seeing from Mass and Nationals uh, over the past couple of years. But that doesn't mean that the website's going to be any less updated or, or the YouTube channel. Mark Zuckerman has you covered, of course, on all the breaking news and all the latest news and notes coming from uh, West Palm Beach. And I'll be writing for the site occasionally as well. So you can check out my work there on MassInSports.com. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. I know I promote it every week in terms of viewing the show live um, and commenting along, but subscribe to the YouTube channel. Every single press conference uh, from Davey Martinez, Mike Rizzo, and all the players will be on that channel. Um, and we'll be broadcasting some of them live uh, throughout the course of spring training. So if you are upset that you cannot see your Nationals in, uh, up and close in person or, or aren't getting the behind-the-scenes looks that you're used to seeing at spring training, Stick with us. Be sure uh, to follow along. We're going to bring you uh, the content that we uh, 
hope to bring you as, as good of content as possible uh, throughout these difficult and, and obviously unusual spring training times. Uh, Amy, I think you are actually the last one of all of Masson to be at, at the, the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. You were just there a couple of weeks ago, weren't you? Yeah, there. Um, I guess it was over the fall during fall instructs, and I kind of got a uh, out of the park look. You couldn't get really get anywhere close to the field. Obviously, nowhere close to the players. Um, but yeah, that was that was the, just this fall. It doesn't feel like too long ago. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of crazy and, and surreal uh, to look back that it, we're coming up on a year ago. I mean, obviously, a year ago now we were in West Palm Beach, or I think at least I was with, with Paul Mancano, um, and. Uh, you know, I think just a couple weeks after we got back, that's when everything started to shut down, baseball included. And it's just crazy to think, but that's the last time I was inside a, a ballpark um, was, uh, you know, spring training almost a year ago. And that has, hasn't happened in maybe my entire lifetime uh, going almost a full year without being inside a ballpark. So hopefully things will get changing up a little bit, get better. Vaccines will be more available, maybe hopefully during the regular season. Uh, we'll be able to see each other inside the ballpark and get some fans in there as well. Of course, uh, at a safe distance and, and throughout the safe protocols and everything. Uh, all right, Amy, let's get into the nitty gritty of it all. Um, uh, again, stay tuned. We're going to hear from Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez in just a little bit. But, you know, and we're going to talk about the major storylines heading in uh, to this spring training for the Nationals. Uh, and we're going to hear from you and what you think are your top storylines you're looking forward to seeing uh, in camp this spring training. But the big news last night in the baseball world, Amy, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. agrees to a massive contract extension with the San Diego Padres. 14 years, $340 million. The guy is only 22 years old, of course, coming off a fantastic season with the Padres. And this just shook baseball, the baseball world the day of the start of spring training. Um, and the Padres are saying they have by far had the most active now. It was between them and the Mets probably. They have by far the most active offseason so far, and they are saying they are all in. They're ready to win, and they're ready to win for a long time. Yeah, they're, they're going to be paying him a lot of money, and just after they're uh, did, were due to pay uh, Manny Machado a whole lot of money too. But it's crazy. Every time this happens, you're like, okay, this will be, be the biggest, and then it'll go down after this. And, of course, this marking the third biggest deal in MLB history is just crazy. And I don't know when it'll stop. Um, and we're going to get into this conversation, but it's crazy to think the deal that Juan Soto might sign in, in just a few years. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you mentioned Manny Machado. This is a team that uh, in the past, I guess that was the off in 2019. So it was the offseason in 2018, 2019. So in the past two calendar years has dished out two $300 million contracts. And, you know, if you combine the two, that's 24 years over $640 million between the two of them. Obviously, Machado's already had two years under his belt in San Diego and Tatis Jr., is just starting his contract. But that is an absurd amount of time, a certain amount of money. And, and I think it's fair for Nationals fans to look back and say, well, if a small-town market like the Padres can dish out those contracts, what what happened two winters ago or even beyond that? Why, why couldn't the Nationals bring in Bryce Harper? Or why couldn't they keep both Anthony Rendon and Steven Strasburg uh, a couple off-seasons ago? I think that's a fair question to ask. They're obviously very different situations. Uh, and we don't have the full details. At least I haven't seen the full details of how Tatis's contract extension will pay out over the course of the 14 years. But I think it's a fair comparison in wondering how a small team market like the Padres can be able to pull this off while the Nationals won't be able to keep two of their last 
uh, three in-house guys uh, with the team when they hit free agency. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a pretty fair point. And it's important to note that, you know, when small town deal with small town teams make big deals like this, it's it kind of influences the trajectory of baseball. I mean, not only does it influence the trajectory of other players' lives and their careers and the money that they're expected to get, like the Juan Sotos of, of Major League Baseball, but it also kind of adds this pressure on baseball and brings eyes to baseball. Fernando Tatis Jr. didn't bring eyes himself in the way that he plays and the excitement that he brings to the game. This money, these dollar signs definitely do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I saw Jeff Passan um, also mentioned like, hey, kids, if you're a great athlete, play baseball. I mean, if this is not one entice more young athletes to play baseball, I don't know what will. They obviously these players get the most money of any professional athletes we see on the planet, uh, at least in terms of team sports. Um, and, and two, you know, this is a young superstar. This is the guy who's going to be one of the faces of this sport for now the next 14 years. Again, he's only 22 years old. There are a lot of kids out there who probably see themselves as a young Fernando Tatis Jr. in a couple of years that he's making this much money. And then you also look at other sports, of course, you know, Patrick Mahomes making the money that he just signed to the past offseason. I mean, this is how you get young guys involved or young people involved into your sport by dishing out these contracts. And you also, I mean, the Padres traded for Fernando Tatis Jr. a couple years ago, but, you know, he was brought in to be the face of this franchise for a long time, much like Manny Machado, and they are committing to him. And they are saying, this is the guy that we want to build our franchise around and that we want to win with. And here are 14 years and uh, $340 million to prove it. Um, But as it relates to the Nationals, you know, how is this going to affect Juan Soto's upcoming free agency? You already kind of teased it, Amy. He's not a free agent until after the 2024 season. He was arbitration eligible for the first time this past uh, season uh, as a Super 2 status, um, and he's going to make $8.5 million this year. Uh, how do you foresee that? You already kind of referenced it, but how do you foresee this playing out over the next handful of seasons where Fernando, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is now making this contract and Juan Soto is going to be working towards his first big payday? Right. I mean, and they're right around the same age. Right. And, you know, anytime a, a, a contract like this is signed, the player's kind of like eh, eh, to his agent, the agent's kind of like eh, eh, to the team, because we know that if the offer doesn't come from the Nationals, it's going to come from somewhere, especially if Juan Soto keeps playing the way that we know that he's capable of. Um, so it, it definitely anytime a deal like this is signed, especially with comparable players around the same age, it definitely influences baseball as a whole, but influences the future of specific players. So this is definitely going to be a nudge like, hey, hey, Nationals, look at look at what I could be making. Um, and we know that the last spring training kind of kind of contract talks didn't get too far. Um, hopefully over over this year, it'll progress and progress. Um, but we know right now that there's very minimal um, negotiation talks between the Nationals and Juan Soto right now. But it'll be interesting to see. And it'll be interesting to see where is the cutoff? Where is this salary cap? Will there ever be one in Major League Baseball? Or are these numbers just going to keep going up? Because we know the talent that's coming up in the young Juan Sotos. We see Fernando Tatis's uh, contract right here. So it's crazy to imagine where baseball will end up in our lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And we've already seen a handful of contracts being dished out. Um, which I can get to in a little bit. But in terms of comparing the two, uh, let's just quickly take a look at their careers as of right now. I mean, they've only been in the major leagues for a handful of seasons. They are both 22 years old. Uh, Tatis just turned 22, I believe, uh, as the new year came. I think his birthday is on January 2nd, 
if I remember correctly. Soto will turn 23 in October, so he's freshly 22 years old. But look, Soto's been up for longer. We know know his story. He came up in 2018. He's played uh, in almost 150 more games, um, actually almost 200 more games. Uh, then and Tatis 313 to 143. He's hit more home runs. Tatis hasn't even hit 40 home runs in his career, or even have 100 RBIs in his career. And he got this contract extension worth to him. Uh, he has a better batting average, but Soto's 972 OPS. And he also played different positions, but Soto's 972 OPS is second in all of Major League Baseball outfielders, only to Mike Trout. Uh, and, and you look at other contracts that have been dished out, and, and most of these guys are outfielders. There are a few excep- exceptions, but, you know, Mike Trout, 12 years, $426 million back in 2019. Bryce Harper, of course, the 13 years, $330 million from the Philadelphia Phillies in 2019. Right before that, Manny Machado, the 10 years, $300 million with the Padres. Uh, just this past summer, Mookie Betts was traded over to the, the Dodgers and signed a 12-year extension worth $365 million. And then, of course, Tatis, 14 years, 340. And then you can go back even as far as Giancarlo Stanton back in 2014, the 13 years, $325 million contract extension he signed before he was traded over to the Yankees. So, I mean, it's been a progress, right? And that doesn't even include Garrett Cole's contract he signed. I did not include pitchers. Um, but there has been a progress in terms of these big superstars earning money. And I think another thing to, have, to note here too, Amy, is that Juan Soto was represented by Scott Boris, right? We talked about that a lot. And Scott Boris is not one to settle for an extension before hitting free agency. He's going to want Juan Soto, and I'm sure Juan Soto himself will want to, to hit free agency before any other contract comes up. And the Nationals will try. We know they'll try. Mike Rizzo said today that they have tried in the past. But it doesn't mean the player has to accept it, right? So I, I don't foresee Soto accepting an extension before his free agency unless the Nationals really give him an offer that he simply can't refuse. Exactly. I think unless it's groundbreaking, he's going to reach free agency. Exactly like you said, Scott Boris guys do that, and they tend to get groundbreaking contracts when push comes to shove. You know, they like to set the record, um, um, his clients. So we'll see how that all works out. And the Nationals have to be realistic. I mean, I think they'll do everything in their power to keep this type of guy, and Rizzo seems to think that also. Um, and it's been, been verbal about that, although he hasn't said the conversations have gotten too far. Um, but they have to be re- realistic. You know, we were talking about why didn't they sign Rendon and Straws. But at the end of the day, they can't just spend all this money. We know that they they are um, one of the richest franchises in baseball, but they have to be realistic. And I think conversations will see them happen over the next few years. And then he will probably reach free agency, I would imagine, not just being the player that he is, but being a Scott Boris guy. Yeah, I think that's the major factor, too. And. You know, looking at these numbers across the board, we know that I think Mike Trout and Mookie Betts both signed at the age of 27. Bryce Harper was probably just a couple of years younger than that, and the same with Manny Machado. So Soto, at the age of 22, he's going to get to his mid-20s before he signs that big deal. Um, now, the other aspect, of though, on the flip side of the coin, is that if you sign a contract, and we saw that Tatis' his deal uh, does not include opt-outs, uh, but if you sign that contract, play very well for the first half of it, you can maybe opt out and, you know, kind of go double or nothing, right? And, and kind of double your money and your chances of signing a second big deal. Um, and we've seen guys like Bryce Harper say that's not what they want to do. They want to land at one place and stay there for the remainder or the majority of their careers. But that's an option, too, for Juan Soto if the price is right. You know, he can take that uh, contract extension, 
maybe working an opt out after a couple of years. And, and if all things go well, he can hit the opt out um, and, and go and try to make uh, double the bank for the, his buck and hit free agency again. And maybe another team or the Nationals, whoever it may be, uh, can uh, even expand more on what he was already supposed to be earning. Right, because there are different places than in their careers than these other players were. I mean, yes, Tatis is going to be 36 when his contract is yeah. up. Um, but still, there are different places. They're young in their careers right now, and that could very well happen. Um, it's hard to tell. Yeah, and we're seeing 36-year-olds, you know, still make, you know, still play in the major leagues. And, and so it's not like Tatis could, after this, after this deal is up, his, his, his career is over, right? You know, he could keep playing, sign another major deal, or maybe sign an extension with the Padres at a later date. You know, it's all up in the air. But those are just options available to these players. And, and you know, there is a certain level of flexibility depending on the structure of the deal and when you sign it. Uh, it all just depends on the particular player and how they want to go about it and, and, you know, build upon their careers. Well, Mike Rizzo did address this last night. Of course, he had to. You know, who wasn't going to ask about this? This being the breaking news over the course of the last 24 hours or so. Uh, he was asked about how uh, if the Tatis deal is good for baseball uh, and if uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. at such a young age and signing with a small market team uh, for so long and for so much money is good for the sport and what that means for Juan Soto's future with the Nationals. Well, I do. I do. I, I, you know, you, the, uh, the the good young stars. You know, they acquired him in a, in a, a trade early, early in his career, and uh, it's it's played out, you know, great for him in his early his early major league career. And uh, yeah, it's it's good to it's good to be able to you know sign your uh, your your homegrown and your your uh, your your good young stars. And uh, and I think it's great for the the fan base of uh, of San Diego to know that uh, they've got. You know, you know, one of the studs in baseball uh, under contract for a long, long time. You guys have one of those young studs in Juan Soto. Is there anything new on that? And when a deal like this happens, does it kind of give you a better idea of what it may take to keep Juan Soto? I don't. I don't think it it uh, it it gives us any more clarity of what it'll take for for Juan Soto. I think every every deal is is. Uh, is separate and independent. Uh, uh, you know, it's all about players' wants and needs, and and uh, you know, can both sides get together to fulfill those? Uh, you know, we certainly uh, have. We drafted, we we signed, developed, and brought uh, uh, Juan to the big leagues in, in very very short order and at a very young age, uh, and we can uh, we see him as uh, hopefully a national for a long long time. Uh, but you know we're we're still in the early stages of discussions. We uh, we had some discussions with them uh, on long term deal last spring training, uh, and uh, and uh, they didn't go very far. And uh, you know since the uh, since the COVID season of 2020, we we really haven't reengaged on that. But uh, but we you know our, our plans are to uh, to make an effort like we've made efforts in the past to our, our, our really great young players to keep them in a Nationals uniform for a long long time. Mike Rizzo being non-committal as always, but also being hopeful. And we've heard this before. Of course, he wasn't going to say anything other than that. But, it, you know, he's going to say, you know, we are going to try. We hope that he remains a national for his entire career. That's what we want to see uh, out of our young superstar, young Juan Soto. And this is a guy that we, you know, signed in the international market, have brought up um, and, and developed on our own, and have now seen him playing at a high level, win a World Series championship. So, you know... He want, uh, excuse me, Mike Rizzo remains helpful, uh, hopeful, 
that wants it to be a national forever, but I think we just kind of agree, Amy, that it's just too early to tell, uh, and Juan Soto is going to want to at least approach and test that market before signing any massive deals. Exactly, but one thing we know for sure is that this is an exciting direction for baseball. I mean, not only are Tatis obvious got his big contract, but uh, uh, Juan Soto is likely to get his also, and these are two special types of players because they're exciting and they're young and they're changing the game. I mean, I always go back to that story of Robinson Cano telling Juan Soto just be himself. It's okay to be a little flashy. Um, and it's kind of changing the direction of the game. And, and it's exciting for young viewers. And um, no matter what, it, it's a good look for baseball. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think uh, the sports should be celebrating this. And, and other young players like Juan Soto uh, should be happy for this as well because this means uh, a lot more money for them coming up in the next couple of years. All right, let's focus, uh, shift focus at least to more specifically the Nationals and, and spring training. Again, pitchers and catchers reported uh, yesterday. Uh, well, I guess they have technically reported a couple of days ago to get their intake testing. Um, good news to report from David Martinez this morning. Everyone is healthy. Everyone has uh, cleared to play and participate. So that is COVID-19 related at least. So that is uh, a good news. Um, but let's get into our top storylines for spring training, Amy. Um, number one, first and foremost, has to be this pitching staff, right? Are they going to bounce back? Like we've always talked about, this is the strength of this team. Uh, they are going to carry this team. Uh, this team is going to, like we saw last year, or, or the year, like you saw in 2019, they're going to rise with them, or in 2020, they're going to fall with them, uh, how this rotation goes. What is your storyline uh, in terms of the pitching staff and how that shapes up in spring training? I mean, what well, we were hoping, you know, we had good news about Straws, and he was going in strong, and um, then we hear some bad news about Scherzer. Unless uh, it look like it's going to be, be too bad, but any little little bit of injuries for these these older guys in this rotation it can be a little bit worrisome especially headed right into spring training but i think the most important thing just like you said this team relies relies on this pitching staff not only do they have so much money tied up in them but they have so much promise and so much of their winnability is tied up in this this pitching staff especially their top three in straws scherzer and corbin and really last year we didn't see what they needed of them not only did straws end up having a season ending surgery but you didn't see what you wanted out of scherzer or or corbin either i mean scherzer battled some hamstring issues in the season some other injuries throughout the season um and he was giving up giving up a lot of hits late late in games that we're not used to seeing with him um not going late in games like we're not used to seeing with him um and then you have corbin who had a 4.66 era and he gave up a league high 85 hits so that's not what you want to see out of your top three guys getting paid this much money and in a rotation that's supposed to be the best in baseball um so so much of of the nationals um hopes and promises for 2021 relies on this pitching staff and hopefully throughout spring training you'll see them progress not only in in how healthy they are um but in their ability um and hopefully headed into the season davy martinez can count on their top three guys uh to get them through yeah, one of the good news or one of the interesting parts about this um, uh, spring training is that the Nationals are providing the media with uh, Zoom of their workouts, right? And unfortunately, we can't bring that to you live um, or, or bring clips from it. It's just to kind of give us a basic idea of who's out there and who's doing the work. Um but what we could tell is that, you know, and this was the good news to start today, at least in my mind, was that Steven Strasburg was out there in full uniform practicing um, or at least doing stretches and going through workouts and in in a normal routine. And we heard from Dave Martinez that he was going through basically a normal routine 
in terms of starting his spring training work. Um, and then you switch over a little bit later and hear the bad news. And the bad news being Max Scherzer sprained his left ankle just a couple of weeks ago while doing conditioning. Um, and he's listed as day-to-day, and he's not ready to start throwing off the mound just yet. I mean, this is the moment, you know, this is the day, actually, that Nationals fans probably look forward to the most all offseason, right, Amy? Because you're used to getting that video of Max Scherzer on the bump in the bullpen uh, at the ballpark at the Palm Beaches and just hurling gas and grunting throughout the entire uh, bullpen session. And we didn't get that this year because of an injury. And, yeah, you mentioned Max had... Uh, a, a bit of a bout with the injury bug last year. He could not stay fully healthy. One of the one of the down years we've seen him have here in D.C. And he's getting older. He's, you know, 37 years old. His body is starting to break down. We joked for so long that when all those years that Max Scherzer was just untouchable, Cy Young winner, Cy Young finalist here in D.C. And we just joked that, well, he can't do this forever, right? He can't keep doing this. Well, we're now seeing that he can't. Uh, and, you know, a sprained ankle is probably nothing to be too concerned about, but it's not nothing uh, for a guy his age and how many innings he's thrown over the course of the career and how much he's expected to carry uh, for this Nationals rotation. Now, he's supposed to be the opening day starter um, come April 1st. So it's not the worst news, but it's also not great news that Max Scherzer is already battling a nagging injury and a sprained ankle uh, and hasn't even stepped on a mound uh, on the first day of spring training. Right, that's what you worry about when you have older guys in your rotation um, is them staying healthy. I think the good thing about going into this season, going into this spring training, is that it's going to be, so far, fingers crossed, somewhat normal. I mean, we knew in 2020, pitchers were going to struggle. They were going to struggle getting going, have to build up their innings, and there was probably going to be be injuries. And they did get hurt at a, a much higher rate than they have in other seasons. The thing that's worrisome about these guys, not only are they a little bit later in their careers, but Strasburg has had injury history throughout his whole career. Um, I mean, in 2019 was the first time he got to 30 starts, I think, since 2014. Um, So that's really the first time we've seen them be able to rely on his arm over an entire season. Uh, He's used to battling injuries and all of that. So you mix that in the pile and it worries you. The good news is, is this should be a somewhat normal spring training. It seems like Scherzer's injury, he's day to day, but he's going to be able to get things going. And Straws is headed into the spring training um, ready to go. And it's, he's not uh, rehabbing anymore. He's, he's preparing for the season. And I think we'll hear from Rizzo about that or Davey Martinez about that. Yeah, uh, well, it, they touched on it a little bit. Strauss is, hasn't thrown off a bullpen yet. I, 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 Davey said what time he was scheduled to go, and I, off the top of my head, I can't remember what day he's going to be pitching. It might be tomorrow. Um, we'll actually hear from Max Scherzer tomorrow. Uh, he'll be speaking to the media for the first time, so be sure to tune in, like I said, to the Mass Nationals YouTube channel, even here on Facebook if you're watching along, uh, because then we can bring that to you as it happens uh, or shortly thereafter. So be sure to tune in to hear from Max. But we did hear from Davey today. Uh, he did uh, elaborate on the Max Scherzer injury. He spoke at length about how it happened. Um, nothing too serious, but um, um, what their plan is for Max Scherzer and how, how he took the news that he's not going to be able to start spring training full go like he's used to. So here's Davey. Well, we get uh, uh, Max um, during uh, his conditioning. He sprained his ankle, so we're going to slow him down a little bit and um, – and take it day, day to day. Um, so hopefully, you know, this is something that won't hold them back uh, too much. But um, like I said, we're early in the spring. We're, we're going we're gonna to slow him down a little bit. His, his arm feels great. Um, he's in really good shape. 
uh, as we all know, you know, um, this is last year, uh, his final year on a contract. So, you know, he, he's going to push himself. So, uh, but we, we need to be careful with him right now. Was that just a few days ago or how long ago did that happen? He, he, he did it about um, two weeks ago and, you know, he said he felt okay and he went to throw a bullpen and um, he felt it. So we're just, we told him, Hey, it's early. So we're going to back off a little bit. With Max, just to clarify, do you know, right or left ankle? It's his left ankle. Left ankle. Okay. And how did he take it when you had to tell him like spring training can't start at maybe the hundred miles an hour that you'd like it to start at? You know, he actually took it pretty well. Um, you know, and Alfred joke with him, you know, he's not, he's not 25 as we all know. So, you know, maybe this will slow him down a little bit. He gets himself ready and we get, we get him, we get him ready to go again. Um, you know, the good thing, the good news is, like I said, is that he look, he's in great shape and his arm feels really good. So, uh, once we can get him, get him back on the mound, I think he'll, he'll take off. As we all know, he's so used to coming in and throwing 45, 50 pitches the first day. So, uh, you know, this could be a blessing in disguise, you know, who knows. But we just want to make sure that when he's out on the mound, that his mechanics are right, everything's right, so he doesn't hurt anything else. Well, uh, Amy, I was actually surprised uh, at the end right there when Mac, uh, Davey said that Max – uh, took it pretty well when they told him that he was not going to be able to go full go at a start of spring training. I, I'm sure Max is very frustrated, with, probably more so with himself, that uh, that this happened. Obviously, probably just a fluke accident. I, I'd be willing to bet any amount of money that tomorrow he's going to be show a little frustration, a little anger, and maybe toward himself that this has happened and keeping him from throwing uh, bullpens right out of the gate. Right. Uh, Jeff commenting, Max will pitch on his knees if he has to. And that's that's pretty spot on, just like you're saying. I mean, this is a guy that's intense and cares. And that's what you want to see um, out of that guy. I mean, you want them to care. You want them to, to take it. I mean, remember last year when he got put on the put on the IL, we saw his reaction. I mean, just frustration because he wants to be out there. He wants to get out there from the start. But also, like Jeff is saying, it's good to have this issue now. Mm. I mean, get out your kinks now. You sprain your ankle now and, and can get back from it quick, then okay. Never good to have a delayed start to spring training, of course, but better now than at the start of the season um, or later on in the season. So hopefully he gets better quickly. Um, and, you know, maybe this is just a later on in his career. He's come to accept these things. And maybe he realizes that it, it, it'll be a pretty uh, quick bounce back for him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely – a smaller thing. It's not nothing, like I said, but it's something that obviously, you know, a lot of players deal with a sprained ankle. Many of us deal with sprained ankles all the time. So it hopefully won't keep him off the field for too long, which, you know, that can't be said for JT Rimuto, who we just saw before we went on this podcast. Uh, looks like he broke a finger and might be out until opening day for the Philadelphia Phillies. So just when you think that, you know, things are going bad for you, it could get worse. You know, it could always get worse. So thankful that, uh, Scherzer is only a, a, a sprained ankle, and he'll be able to get back on the field sooner rather than later and get a couple of uh, bullpen sessions in, and we'll have some audio of him grunting and some video of him throwing sooner rather than later. Um, all right, Amy, what is your storyline number two heading into spring training? The battle for the fifth starter, and we have heard this storyline before. Um, it feels like deja vu, and the situation really isn't too different. Um, I think it, it, during the 2020 season, or at least going into it, knowing that Joe Ross had opted out, we thought that maybe this battle would shake out and both or Fetty would have earned their spot um, in, in that fifth starter role, but neither of them really did. And so we're kind of back to square one and Joe Ross is back in the mix. And 
uh, we're kind of really back back where we were. Who do you think is the front runner? I, I think uh, I briefly touched on this a couple of podcasts ago. Actually, you know what? What is time anymore? It could have been a you know a last year for all I know. But I, I'm going with Joe Ross. I mean, I I he was one of my guys. I think that I was. I, you know what it was? It was my wish list. It was my wish list for 2021. And I think it was one of the guys on my wish list was for Joe Ross to take over that fifth starter spot. Because in, in my mind, he's the one that should be it. He's been here the longest. He has the most major league experience. He has the most starring experience up at this level of the three guys, Voth and Fetty, uh, Voth and, uh, Fetty included. So for me, it's it's Joe Ross. We He's a couple of years removed from that injury. The last time we saw him pitch in a meaningful game, Amy, which is crazy to think, was Game 5 of the World Series when he made that spot start for Max Scherzer when he couldn't go back at Nationals Park. So we're a year and a half removed from seeing Joe Ross take the mound for real in a real game situation, and he didn't take the mound that much uh, at the end of the 2019 season. He was still coming back from Tommy John's surgery. So this guy has had plenty of time to uh, rest, rest up his arm, um, uh, build up strength, uh, work on some stuff, you know, obviously it's different doing it alone and during a pandemic than doing it at a major league training site or and with your coaches. But I, I really believe and hope that Joe Ross is the is finally going to take that step forward and become the fifth starter spot. And we even talked about earlier at that time, but this is before John Lester signed, that Joe Ross could maybe even, if he pitched to his potential and pitched the level that we've seen him pitch at, uh, this was years ago, but, you know, we saw his potential. He could even be the fourth starter on this rotation if if he got to that level. Of course, John Lester is going to knock him back down to the fifth level, but I, I or the fifth spot. But I really believe, and, and I'm hoping to see Joe Ross have a strong spring training. The last time we saw him um, in any kind of Nationals uniform was spring training a year ago uh, at West Palm Beach, and um, I'm, I'm hoping that Joe can take that st- uh, step forward and be the fifth starter uh, for 2021. Yeah, I, I just think my thing is, is I can't say that he's the front runner knowing that he hasn't pitched in a real game in a year and a half. That's fair. I think it's kind of, you know, hard to say this guy is the front runner ahead of these other two guys and he hasn't pitched in a year and a half. Um, like you said, sometimes that rest is good, um, but he's also been up and down since he had Tommy John. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell that rest could be a good thing or that rest could be a bad thing. And we'll see through spring training, and that's why it's a storyline to follow. Um, but one thing we do know, and this is kind of uh, proving to your point, is that maybe Martinez has kind of said that the job is his. And when uh, Skip wants you there, uh, that helps you a whole lot. Uh, so I think that Joe Ross has Davey Martinez in his corner, and that's going to be impactful. And also, Eric Fetty and Austin Vogt didn't earn the job this past year. I mean, they had the chance to step up um, and get it done, and really neither of them were the front runner. I mean, Austin Vogt took some strides towards the end of the season, but he ended up finishing with a 6.34 ERA in his 11 games, and that was with his, his improvements towards the end of the season. Um, so really neither of them stood out to me. So that is that Joe Ross has going for him. But at the end of the day, he hasn't pitched in over um, over a year. And I can't really say he's the front runner in my mind knowing that. That's fair. I, I, I can I can understand that. And um, I, I can get behind that, that that thought, too. And, you know, this is 2020 was the second year in a row where we saw 
Austin Voth finished the year strong. The problem is he can't be do it consistently throughout the course of the season, even in a shortened 2020 season. So you know, that's my own concern. I, I think we just have, it's been a while, and that's definitely the down the downfall here in my argument. But I think that Joe Ross has the longest track record of sustained success, at least at some point in the major leagues uh, in his career. And that's why I'm going to back that horse. And I'm, I'm going to uh, put my, my chips on, on him because I just think somewhere deep, he has to have it somewhere. And if not, I'm wrong. I mean, and, and we'll, we'll see, but him being out that long is definitely a concern. But I, I just think that coming back from Tommy John, we see guys do it way more frequently nowadays uh, than ever before. The Nationals are very good with guys coming off Tommy John. He opted out of 2020, so that is obviously um, a kind of a fluke situation in terms of his comeback. But uh, I, I just have to believe that Joe Ross, with the experience that he has had being the starter in Game 5 when the Nationals need him the most, uh, can build off that experience and hopefully have some sustained success. And, and spring training will tell. We'll say that all March in the re- all March long, spring training will tell, and we'll see who's able to come out on top uh, and, and secure that number fifth starter spot. Um, all right, moving on to our next uh, spot, and be sure to comment along on Facebook and YouTube. We can maybe grab a couple at the end right before we get out of here uh, for the podcast and, and uh, add to the discussion. But um, this was a name that came up all, quite a lot in both press conferences with David Martinez and Mike Rizzo. Carter Keboom, are we confident that Carter Keboom is finally going to take over that third baseman, and is he ready to be an everyday third baseman at the major league level? What say you, Amy Jennings? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> feel like we just get on Carter Keboom on this podcast so often, but I just, I mean, I think spring training will be his chance to prove himself. And I think that will determine how some of the, the last roster spots um, shake out when it comes down to opening day. But this is a guy who he struggled. He had four errors in his 10 games when he came up in 2019. His defense was his struggle. Right. We didn't really worry about him as a plate because at the plate because MLB pipeline uh, gave him a hit tool of 60, a power of 55. Uh, we weren't worried about his his um, offense. But then, you know, he comes back up in 2020 and his defense looks better, much more improved. He's not so shaky out there, but he can't hit a lick. I mean, he's only he had one extra base hit in all of 2020. Um, and in his 44 games in the majors, he's only had three extra base hits and only barreled two balls in his entire career. So that's super, super concerning. Um, so this is his chance to step up and he has to. I mean, he right now from what Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez seem to say is that 44 games is a small sample size. And it is, Um, but it's time that he has to step up. And uh, this will definitely be a storyline to follow throughout spring training, follow um, through the first couple of series of the season. Uh, But he has to, he has to um, improve. And the good news is that he, he in 2020 had a low swinging strike rate, right? So that means that he, he could have a lower strikeout rate in 2021. That kind of points itself that way. And that's good news. Um, And he's kind of criticized for being a little too patient at the plate. Um, And maybe that's something he'll work on um, as he matures uh, at the plate, but it's time. He has to step up, Bobby. What What do you have to say about Carter Keeping? I, I totally agree that I feel like we're talking about him all the time. And I, I don't mean whenever we do talk about him, it is kind of negative. Uh, and we don't mean that. Uh, we, of course, want Carter Keeping to be the third baseman guy, right? You know, ever since the, the Nationals let Anthony Rendon uh, go to the Angels, you know, all eyes were on him. And we were hoping that he would be the replacement there. 
But I this now feels like Amy. This is the third spring training in a row that we've been talking about this guy having to take a step forward, and I, we just haven't seen him take a big enough step to have any more confidence than we did, you know, say back uh, beginning of 2019 season when you know I think that was his first major league camp um, uh, uh, um, with the Nationals, and then he got his first invite uh, to the major league camp. So uh, I, I just. Now, 2020, of course, does not help that, right? You know, the, the the shortened season, that does not help anybody. So not entirely fair to judge him on that. But from what we did see, you know, there was some small improvement on defense. We saw some defensive improvements, but we saw the offense not quite click there. And, uh, you know, for a guy that hasn't hit above the Mendoza line uh, in his career right now, uh, small sample size, yes, but you would think that a guy that was profiled, like you mentioned, to be such an offensive threat and an offensive weapon uh, coming out of college, and he has great AAA numbers. You know, we, you know, yes, there's a big difference between trip, hitting in AAA and hitting in the major leagues. And numbers up were numbers were up across AAA a handful of years ago uh, when he was down there for the majority of the season. But you know, it's not like this guy can't play. And I think Davey even referenced his AAA numbers today and was like, you know. We know what he can do. He's. It's not just like we're just up here expecting him to fail. Uh, you know, he has shown flashes at a high level. It's just a matter of him getting it all together and, and performing at the major league level uh, and, and it all coming together. And, you know, a lot of stock is obviously put into him with Rendon leaving, being a number, uh, first-round draft pick from a handful of years ago. Uh, so, I mean, but for me, it's just uh, – it just feels like this is the third year in a row we're having the same conversation – um, and if not now, when? That's really my question. If it's not 2021, it's probably not going to happen. And for some players, you know, putting that confidence in him and saying, you are our guy, you know, Anthony Rendon leaves, you are our third baseman, here you go. That helps, having that confidence um, and not toying around with the guy, sending him up and down and up and down. Um, but it seems like it could be working the opposite for Carter Keboom, and maybe he did need to kind of sit sit in the sidelines for a little bit and learn a little bit before he has that pressure on them. It's hard to tell, and sometimes it works differently for different guys, but the pressure is definitely on him this year, and it's going to be a, a storyline to follow throughout spring training. And another storyline, another guy who's struggling at the plate, another guy who has to step in 2020, 2021 is Victor Robles. Yeah. Absolutely, and this is and this is. I feel like you've been harping more on Victor Robles, Amy, this offseason than Carter Keboom, uh, because we, I think national. I mean, now he's a guy that's been a mainstay here on this Nationals lineup, right? It's not like Carter, who's gone up and down between the minor leagues and the major league team over the course of his career. Robles is here to stay. He is your starting center fielder. He is a major league baseball player right now. Uh, it's about time that he gets his uh, game going and. You know, we talked a lot about the weight gain last year. David Martinez has made a lot about that. How, you know, that he while he was trying to look add more power, he may have lost a step in terms of defense and on the base paths. Maybe even his bat speed, uh, which has resulted in a lower average. But I, I would have to think that we'll see how how Victor Robles reports to camp. Uh, I haven't heard anything about him uh, too much so far. And, of course, position players aren't required to report uh, for another handful of days. But if he's maybe trimmed down a little bit, if he's maybe slimmed down, maybe gained that bat speed back, maybe gained his speed back in the outfield, this is a guy that profiles as probably you know a high average, a high base-stealing threat with elite defensive capabilities in center field. And this that's the guy the Nationals you know 
signed out of the international market and was once their number one overall prospect. Uh, and, you know, again, 2020, throw it out the window, possibly, you know, the numbers and everything, yada, yada, yada. If, if Victor Robles can come back and establish himself as an on-base threat, as a high average hitter, and with elite defense, gold glove caliber defense, uh, I think we can kind of maybe just forget about 2020 and move on and, and accept Robles as back to being normal. Right. I think that's the good thing about Victor Robles is that there's something to possibly attribute um, his downfall in 2020 to. Um, he's never really hit at the big league level, but we know he was a defensive threat in 2019. He led the league with 23 outs above average, and then he dropped to 54th in the league with just two outs above average. And actually, that was more than um, than Adamine and Juan Soto. So that shows you just how scary this defense is. And that's another storyline um, to follow throughout this spring training is how they're going to improve defensively without really making any additions. Um, but there is something to attribute to. Maybe it was that weight gain, that, that upper body. Um, um, growth um, and that could be possible because it did look like he lost a step some speed in the outfield um, his bat speed like like you mentioned um, and that could have something to do with it especially defensively um, but he hasn't really hit at the major league level yet so that is concerning he's not only played really truly two full seasons I guess at the big league level so it's time for him to step up um, you know there are talks Davey Martinez about maybe moving him into the leadoff spot, but obviously he never produced well enough, never got on baseball um, at a high enough rate to to earn that spot. Um, but he played in the Dominican Winter League. I think he had some injury issues there. He might have sprained his ankle, just like we were talking about, if I'm remembering correctly. But David Martinez had a list of things that he was working on, um, possibly losing some weight, balancing that body out, figuring it out for him. Um, and maybe we'll see some improvements, but just like uh, Carter Keboom, the Nationals have committed to Victor Robles in center field. Um, and defensively, he certainly earned that spot in 2019. It seems like that. He just has to step up at the plate. We know the talent's there with Victor Robles, and I think that's what's so frustrating is that the talent is there for these guys. Um, they just have to produce, and you have to produce at the big league level or, you know, what's your career? Yeah, I mean, he was gold go finalist in 2019. Um Obviously, he's profiled as, as a good hitter and with maybe some sneaky power. And, and you know, it, maybe it was just a case of, of Robles was just trying to add to his resume and, and add to his repertoire of, of adding home run capabilities, too. I mean, he can hit home runs. And, and you know what? The Nationals don't need him to hit home runs, quite honestly. Right? You look at guys like uh, Juan Soto, now Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, uh, the days that Ryan Zimmerman plays. They don't need Victor Robles to hit home runs. Even Trey Turner had a, you know, was on pace for a career high in home runs last year, so he's added that to his repertoire. If Victor Robles is going to be the number nine hitter on this, or I guess number eight hitter uh, in this lineup, they're not going to need him to go yard too often. They're going to need him to get on base and flip the lineup and play elite defense. So it's just a matter of getting that average back up. I think uh, getting on base, getting her walks, not striking out too much. Um, and just improving overall in the field. Uh, and th- that way we can get back to more of a, the Victor Robles that the Nationals groomed to be this kind of superstar athletic outfielder um, that was once number one overall prospect for them in the farm system. Um, but time will tell. Spring training will tell. We'll hopefully hear from uh, Victor Robles within a couple of weeks um, and maybe get a better look at how he looks uh, and maybe if he slimmed down um, from his time in the Dominican League. Uh, all right, Amy, last one. I mean, this can kind of can be grouped into two. Final bench spot, and then I saw Kyle Ashton on the Facebook group ask or the Facebook chat 
asking who are some of your dark horse candidates that have a chance of making the roster. So maybe final bench spot and then maybe a dark horse candidate and we'll maybe can revisit this as we get closer to opening day. Yeah, and this kind of loops into what we were just talking about. I mean, kind of this probably depends a little bit on how Carter Keyboom performs um, in spring training and then how Victor Robles performs in spring training. Um, some options for that last spot is, of course, Gerardo Parra uh, making his return to the Nationals with an invite to the big league camp. Um, Jordy Mercer. Um, can Correct me if I'm wrong. Yasmani Tomas? I think it is Yasmani, yes. Okay. Um, is, is another guy that could be be an option for that final roster spot. And I think maybe a dark horse that people aren't talking about as much is Yadiel Hernandez because you kind of forget that he played 12 games in 2020 and he would be a left-handed batter to be on the bench. Uh, you do have Andrew Stevenson, who's I'm assuming going to be your fourth outfielder, uh, who's another left-handed bat. But that would be a good guy to bring off the bench. Um, I'm not sure how that'll shake out. And I think that's one of probably – the biggest storyline to to fall over spring training because it's going to have a definite outcome, um, right? So, and it's going to be a definite competition. Whereas these other storylines aren't so much a competition, but this somebody's going to win at the end of the day, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what direction they go. Uh, today, Bobby, who do you think is going to complete this roster? Yeah, I, well, I was just going to say I agree. I uh, like looking at the roster and spring training. Sometimes you're talking about competitions at positions. There's no real competitions. We talked about the fifth starter, maybe. I think the bullpen pretty much is set. Um, the outfield is set. There's no real competition in the infield other than can Carter Keeboom solidify himself as the everyday third baseman. You got your catchers. Uh, I don't think uh, Wellington Casillo is, or Rowdy Reed or any of the other catchers invited to spring training or fighting for positions. So, yeah, it's more so the outer fringes of the roster, you know, those last, that 25th, 26 guy added on uh, to the opening day roster that we're talking about. That's probably the biggest competition that we're looking at. And, you know, that's not the most fun, exciting topic to talk about, but it is something to consider because, you know, this is a 26 man team. Dave Martinez talks about all the time, how every 26 men, every 26 of those 26 guys on the roster is important to this team's success. Cause you never know who's going to get injured. You never know when you're going to be called upon. You never know, especially when you're a bench player, if you're going to be playing, it's usually going to be in an important spot late in the game. So it's going to be important to see who comes out of there. I think you re- referenced a lot of good names. Here's the thing about Yadiel Hernandez, though. Base, until last year, a career minor leaguer. I think he's already at 30 or approaching 30. Uh, it was fun to see him hit his first home run last year, get his couple of first hits, um, playing well. Obviously, wish that could have been in front of a crowd uh, and you know his friends and family there. Uh, but there, I think there are just more experienced options that they can fill that spot with. And it also depends where they want to go with. Do they want to add more infield backup? And that's assuming that Carter Keeboom is your third-day baseman. There's a lot of dominoes that have to fall here, right? So if Carter Keeboom is your third baseman, then you're uh, going on assuming that Starlin Castro is your second baseman. You also have Josh Harrison. You have Luis Garcia. Does Luis Garcia make the opening day roster? Uh, force his way into consideration. Uh, how are you going to back up the outfield? Andrew Stevenson, Gerardo Parro. That's a lot of lefty bats, um, considering with Kyle Schwarber and, and uh, um, Juan Soto. So uh, there's some dominoes that have to fall, I think. Um, I don't know if this counts as a dark ho- horse, but I'm going to put my money on Luis Garcia. I don't know why. I just really liked what I saw from him last year. The only issue with that being, though, is that we know Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo, more so Mike Rizzo, I should have said, but 
if Luis Garcia isn't going to play every day, you know, if there's not a spot for him, if he doesn't beat out Starling Castro or, or if Starling Castro does beat out Carter Kibo, maybe for third base, um, I don't think there's going to be a spot for Luis Garcia because they're going to want him to play every day. And we saw today there will be a minor league baseball season. Um, they're going to want him playing every day at AAA in Rochester. Uh, so, But I, I think the guy has the talent. It's kind of like we talked about with Juan Soto a couple years ago uh, and even Victor Robles uh, and maybe even Carter Kibum a couple years ago. But they're going to want him to play every single day. He has the talent to make the roster, but he's just going to be a little behind in terms of the depth chart to make the open day roster. But I, I'm keeping my eye on him. I think Garcia can make a push uh, late in the in the spring uh, to make the opening day roster. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it's fair to say he is a dark horse because he's most likely to start at the AAA level where he can get reps every single day. But there's so much that goes into the season because this this when you're completing this roster, it's possible this could still, I mean, COVID's still around. You have an outbreak. That last guy on your bench can end up playing and you could end up playing a good bit of innings. I mean, obviously that's not what you want to see happen, but that's a factor that goes into this season. Um, and another factor is, is that, yeah, right now we think the minor league season is going to get kicked off, but who knows? It could still get pushed back. I mean, minor league teams cannot survive without fans. And I don't think if fans are in those stands uh, when they are going to get their season kicked off, they, they their season might be pushed back even, even farther. And so you don't want Luis Garcia to have this gap and this time off. So if you want him to get reps, maybe you bring him up. I just think there's so many factors. So I think that's a really good point. And then you throw in uh, the fact that maybe Carter Keyboom comes up, doesn't do his job. You have to move uh, a Starling Castro. Luis Garcia might come into the mix because just like you said, I think the Nationals liked what they saw out of him in 2020. Yeah, I think there's um, not to – are you – just to backtrack, are you saying Yadiel Hernandez as your dark horse? Mm, or not committing to anyone just yet? No, I won't commit to anybody yet. All right, you have until next podcast next week to commit to your okay. dark horse. Otherwise, okay. we're getting too you're getting too much information from watching spring training workouts, uh, and, and we'll have too much uh, knowledge. <laughs> okay, all right, that's fair. That's fair. You have a deadline till, and I'll ask you. I'll, I won't forget. You have, you have a deadline till next week for your dark horse. Um, but I, I think, unfortunately, I think it's more likely that Carter Keepham doesn't earn the third base spot and Starling Castro moves over to third base and Luis Garcia is your starting second baseman than Yadiel Hernandez making the team. I, I, I know those are two very different scenarios, right? Um, and they are probably aren't in, intertwined at all. Um, but I, I just think that it's more likely that happens um, than Yadiel Hernandez makes the team outright uh uh, on the opening day roster doesn't mean that not to say he won't play for the nationals at all this season. It's a long season. Of course, we'll see guys being brought up, but I just think behind Stevenson behind para, uh, you know, he's at least third, if not a little further back in terms of the depth chart of the backup outfielder. Well, uh, and then spot. you have Yasmani Tomas who can play third and, you know, maybe that factors in. Yeah. Um, it's hard to tell. Yeah. And then, and back to the infield, uh, uh, shuffle, you know, Josh Harrison's back on a one-year deal too. So, you know, he's people forget about that. He was the first offseason signing the Nationals made, and you know, he he could play a factor in as well in terms of backing up at third base, shortstop, or second base. We saw him play uh, all over the place last year. I think he might even have some outfield experience. Don't quote me on that, but I feel like I remember he does have not that much, but some outfield experience over the course of his career. Yeah. Um. I want to see more of Josh Harrison this year. He needs more playing time, says Kyle. 
I, I, I just don't think that there's enough spot. I mean, he'll be, he'll get his, you know, one or two starts every other week or so, but I don't think he'll be something bad will have to happen. If Josh Harrison is starting, um, uh, you know, on opening day, right. Yeah. He's going to be a utility guy, but he is there and they might have to rely on him a little bit here and there. Um, but you're probably just going to see him later in games. Um, someone needs a day off that sort of thing. Hopefully fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. All right. My dark horse is Luis Garcia to make the opening day roster. Amy's is TB determined. Uh, we will see her. Oh, don't forget. We will hear from her next week. I'm not going to forget. I'm going to put you on the spot too. Uh, I know. Because I, I don't know. want you to slick by because I, I went on the limb. Uh, that means you have to as well. Uh, be sure. <laughs> what was that? I said, okay. 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 Uh, be sure to give Amy a follow on Twitter at Amy Jennings news. Uh, she'll be helping us along throughout spring training. And of course the season. And of course, co-hosting mass and all access podcasts with uh, me as well uh, throughout the season 2021 a couple of interviews lined up for her as well so be sure to give her a follow and stick stay tuned uh, with the mass on all access podcast throughout the course of spring training you can find the mass on all access podcast on apple podcast spotify google Podcasts, or soundcloud wherever you get podcasts and of course you can watch live every week on youtube and facebook and on twitter at Mass and Nationals across the board. Give us a follow, like, subscribe, spread the word, comment along. We really appreciate all the feedback, all the views. Uh, for kind of a slow offseason, we had great viewership all offseason long and listenership as well. So we really appreciate you guys joining the show um, and commenting along throughout this offseason. Spring training is here. It's underway. We are very excited. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Amy, I will catch you next week. Stay safe and stay warm. All right. See you, Bobby. All right. That's going to do it for this week's Mass and All Access podcast. Uh, again, be sure to check it out all over and stay with us. We are supposed to hear from Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, Jan Gomes on Friday afternoon or Friday morning um, from West Palm Beach. So be sure to follow along on, on all of Masson's social media channels, MassonSports.com and the YouTube channel as well. I'm Bobby Blanco at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. Be sure to give me a follow. Check out the work on the website and on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Stay safe, stay warm. We'll talk to you next week.